welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. Each week we discuss a metaphor, phrase or mantra and with the help of a very special guest, they tell us what it means to them and listening to their views many times makes you think about what it might mean to you too. sporty lately it really makes your body and mind feel better a long walk always helps me to think about things i've been avoiding or i learned something new i'm an avid fan of apple's time to watch series and i've learned so many different things from so many different people for example the prince of wales i learned that his favorite song is tina turner's simply the best I mostly always use this time to allow you to guess the metaphor we will be discussing during the show. Did you think of a few possibilities? In today's episode, we're going to talk about a metaphor which most of us have probably heard. It is, sports is a metaphor for life. Whether you're an avid sports fan or someone striving for a challenge, this is a metaphor with many links with our lives, which we will be delving into later. After that, we'll be catching up with our guest, former Olympian Kim Carter, to see how this turn of phrase fits into her life. But back to our proverb, sports is a metaphor for life. Let us start with a definition of the term. Cambridge Dictionary states that sport is a game, competition or activity needing physical effort and skill that is played or done according to rules for enjoyment and or as a job. What about life without getting too deep and philosophical? We can define it as the physical, mental and spiritual experiences that contribute existence, taken from the free dictionary. The highly acclaimed Japanese author Haruki Murakami defines this wonderfully in his book Kafka on the Shore. I quote, Everything in life is metaphor. We accept irony through a device called metaphor, and through that we grow and become deeper human beings. Irony deepens a person, helps them mature. It's the entrance to salvation. End of quote. There are many examples of sports being a metaphor for life. For example, tennis coach Tim Galway, a best-selling author, he has a mythology which explains how tennis players learning the sport can improve their skills via a theory he calls in a game, which can also be used in everyday life. Let's hear what he has to say. There are two basic facts set up the dynamics of the inner game. One is we all have much more potential than we think we have. And the other fact is we all get in the way of that potential more than we'd like to admit. So you have potential and you have interference. And the inner game is how to diminish the interference and express the potential. Bounce, hit, bounce, bounce. Tim Galway began writing in the 1970s. Tim was captain of the Harvard University tennis team. His seminal work is the inner game of tennis. Tim was the first to demonstrate the comprehensive method of coaching that could be applied to many situations. His other books include The Inner Game of Golf, The Inner Game of Work, and his recently released Inner Game of Stress. Tim Galway's work established the movement in executive and life coaching, 
and his training methods have been applied in the fields of education, business, and health. Tim Gallery states, neither mastery nor satisfaction can be found in the playing of any game without giving some attention to the relatively neglected skills of the inner game, which is something we can all take into our lives. United Nations, through its Congress on Crime Prevention and Criminal Justice Policy, looks to enhance the quality of life of children through ways to steer them away from the world of crime by undertaking grassroots sport. The program included policy that sought to reduce this occurring by preventing youth crime through sports-based programs and life skills training. Since its global launch in 2016, the initiative to build on the power of sports as a tool for positivity has reached and impacted the lives of over 275,000 children and young adults through the use of promoting civic values and the benefits of sport to prevent them becoming drawn into a life of crime. This strategy could covertly be seen as sports as a metaphor for following a healthy life. Grant Hill is a former professional basketball player who since retiring in 2013 is now co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks. His playing career was decorated with numerous awards including seven-time NBA All-Star, three-time winner of the NBA Sportsmanship Award, in 2018, Tim was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Here he discusses how sport affects his life on and off the basketball court. Still have that desire and that fight, and you're willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary. And I have goals and things that I want to accomplish, and that hasn't changed since I was 14, you know? And so you, you, you constantly want to push yourself and challenge yourself. And through competition, you're discovering more about yourself and more about what you can do. I don't know, I just feel like sports and, you know, is, is a great sort of metaphor uh, for life, you know, is constantly having to challenge yourself, constantly dealing with adversity, managing the emotions that come with success, but also the emotions that come with, with defeat, that come with failure, uh, that come with adversity. And so, you know, there's so many, so many parallels there. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, I'm just, you know, I'm so grateful that I'm still able to, to, to do that, to still, to still learn those life lessons uh, when most of my contemporaries are, have moved on and, and have retired. Why do we have such an emotional connection to sports and how it translates to how we live? Is it the community connection and the togetherness of the human herd mentality, the adrenaline rush of seeing your favorite team win? Or could it be that it is so relatable as a metaphor for life? Being able to challenge ourselves to master a skill or a great strategy to win can be easily transferable to life and work. To instill the team dynamic for the good and get the recognition of your peers and teammates, this is built into human DNA and what most of us aspire to in our everyday life. Gary Mack, a sports psychologist with major sports leagues, including the NFL and NHL, states competitive golf is played mainly on a five and a half inch course, the space between your ears. Scott Michael Foster and Vincent Rodriguez III, stars of the very popular U.S. TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend performed this wonderful musical scene in the show all about this episode's theme. Look, 
You and I are very different, but really, we speak the same language. We do? Yeah, we do. Shut it up. the count it's down to the wire we can't drop the ball we gotta aim a little higher because when we're on the ropes and it's our turn at bat we gotta throw a hail mary gotta go to the mat sports analogies sports analogies we found the common ground in all men's personalities we talk a big game that's how we relate it's the easiest way for men to communicate hike It's par for the course when you're in the home stretch to swing for the fences with a full court press. We're on the one yard line, inches to go. So you'll pitch and I'll catch. Cause it's Ollie to blow. Let's use more sports analogies. Sports analogies, they help men cope with life's harsh realities. Let's feel more cliches till we run out the clock. Just keep your eye on the ball. The A lovely quote from Austrian movie megastar, former governor of California and Mr. Olympia, Arnold Schwarzenegger, said about the connection between sport and life, bodybuilding is much like any other sport. To be successful, you must dedicate yourself 100% to your training, diet and mental approach, just like life itself. Alison Felix, a retired American track and field athlete, a six-time Olympic champion and the Time magazine's 100 most influential people in 2020 and 2021, gave a talk on our subject this episode. Let's take a listen. Believe in yourself, your own worth, your own values, it gets easier. It's when you take a stand that you start to understand how to overcome that fear and how to make a change for yourself and sometimes for others. I went on to find a new sponsor in the female-led, female-focused Athleta. And they, helped me challenge, <laughs> and they helped me challenge the International Olympic Committee's child care policy. Together, we raised $200,000 for female athletes to be able to afford child care when they go to races. Because women have babies, and these children don't disappear when the races begin. I made it back to the Olympics two years after giving birth. I won a gold and a bronze, and I... And I became the most decorated American track and field athlete of all time. All all while my daughter was watching. (laughs) I was running for so much more than for medals or for a time on the track. I was running as a representation for women and for mothers and for anybody who had been told that their story was over. We are lucky to have former Olympian Kim Carter to join us today. A world-ranked heptathlete, Kim Carter joined Polyprep as athletic director in July 2022, bringing a distinguished background as a student athlete, former Olympian, and accomplished coach. Kim ended Germany's 1993 World Outdoor Championships, ranking number one in the US and number eight worldwide. A strong desire to give back to the community led her to leadership roles outside coaching, working with numerous non-profit organizations such as the Carl Lewis Foundation and AmeriCorps Vista. Kim, you chose as your metaphor, sports is a metaphor for life. Why did you choose that? 
I think I chose it because that's sort of the way I've lived my life as an Olympic athlete for a long period of my life. I'm getting older, so I can't say for the majority of my life now, but for a very long time, I was an athlete and I just found that really, regardless of the situation, even if folks weren't directly involved in sports, they often relied on some sort of metaphor that had to do with athletics in order to explain a situation. But sports in itself has been used as a metaphor for so many things. And most recently, I'd say over the last maybe 10 years, I stand corrected, a lot more so in the UK, I think, than the US. And again, I could be wrong. Sports has been largely used as a metaphor for better living, a better lifestyle, whether it is one that deals with someone's health or whether it's one that deals with criminal activities. Would you say that that was a fair definition of it? I don't know the definition of it in the UK, so I apologize for that. And obviously, just like in sport, in life, you can find negative situations that folks will use in order to kind of supersede what it is that I'm talking about. But I have to talk about the sporting life that I've lived. Sport is often seen as being something with a lot of discipline. Would you say that sports as a metaphor could also be seen as being a discipline? Well, I think that's definitely part of it. But you have to understand that sport really is a microcosm of life. And whether you're a young child just getting involved in athletics or you're an adult who's doing it professionally, very similar disciplines and ways that you should live your life is also sort of the way that you should just conduct yourself in in everyday life, working hard, trying your hardest, trying to be the best at whatever it is that you chose to do. Really, trying is better than quitting. Trying is better than not trying at all. Those are the positive aspects of sport that I think can be used as a metaphor for life. And I wouldn't say just athletics for folks to think about it as a way of life, but really I think of physical activity, going out, getting sweaty, doing something that you can lose yourself in that also gets your heart rate up, that gets your mind off of perhaps other things that are going on over the course of your day. And challenging yourself, really, is what I think about as a sport, as a metaphor for life. Would you have a specific example of how you have used that metaphor? As I said, I used it in my daily life for probably the better part of 20 plus years. People would often ask me, young athletes, when I was a professional, saying, gosh, what do you do when you just don't feel like going to practice? You know, some days I have a difficult time going to practice and I just don't want to, I don't want to go to the track. I was a track and field athlete. And I said, you know what I do in those days that I don't feel like going to practice? I go to practice because every day isn't just again like life. It isn't as if every day is going to be the best day of your life. It isn't as though life is meant to be easy. I think that's one of the things that you learn also in sport. Really, I found the most satisfaction from the most challenging days that I had and the days where I really pushed myself. Say you've got a very difficult running workout and you really have no idea how you're going to make it through and just one by one taking off those 200 meter repeat, then you'd get down to the last one and just say, you know, when I get across the line, I'm just going to collapse, do the best you can. And then I, you know, run my hardest, get across that line. And I'd say to myself, you know what? I'm not collapsing right now. That didn't defeat me. That didn't beat me. So I don't need to lay down today. Now, you have a new role, which, of course, takes in all your expertise in and out of the track. Can you tell us more? 
Yes, I'm the athletic director for a school in Brooklyn. Actually, it has two campuses. It's a nursery through 12th grade independent school in Brooklyn, New York. It's called Poly Prep Country Day School. And why did you decide to take this role? You know, again, I decided to take it because I thought it was going to be challenging. And I love things that present a challenge and are interesting to me. I like the idea of going to a school that has been doing pretty well in athletics, I think, for the area that it's in, the leagues that it's in. And then we're going to try to get even better than we already are. I've been to the East Coast a lot, but I haven't. It's been a long time since I I had a little stint in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. But uh, now I'm living on the East Coast. So just different things that present a challenge to me. I really like those things. And I another metaphor for how to use sport for life, it's you can always make changes. You can always challenge yourself. It isn't just left on my uh, students that are thinking about where they're going to go to college. I think at any age, we should continue to find things that challenge us, help us get up in the morning and uh, look forward to uh, what's going to happen that day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in that respect, yes, sports can be itself be a metaphor for life as in an individual in terms of the more you you practice or you're more aware of where you want to get to, you continue on the path of where you'd like to get to, you'll get a better life. But if you don't practice, if you don't know where you're heading, it's going to take you a little bit longer to do that. So I suppose we could indirectly look at it in that way. But when you were on the track, when you were practicing, did you ever think about the future and what you would be doing after the track? I obviously didn't think about that very early on in my career. Something I was actually thinking about before we started speaking, when you are an athlete, if you are at the top of your game, it is one of the most narcissistic situations that you can put yourself in. But in order to really do it well, you should be very focused on yourself. But I wouldn't agree that even as an individual athlete, like I was, that you're doing it by yourself. They had a wonderful team, fantastic coaches, great physiotherapists, folks that would acupuncturists. I had a whole team of people that were helping me. So you don't really feel like you were doing it by yourself. But I did want to know that when the gun went off, when it was my turn to go in a competition, that I had done everything that I possibly could. So I actually think it's been my experience that often the athlete that was really in the thick of things, but also looking a little forward or outside of what it was that they were doing, weren't doing the best that they possibly could. But of course, as I got toward the end of my career, I started beginning to think about directions I might want to take. And one of those for me was to have children. I have twins. They just celebrated their 24th birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. So so they are your life then. I understand how that is because it doesn't matter how old your children are, they're always going to be children to you and my babies and my babies and they know that yeah I call mine um adult children or adult babies because uh, they still <laughs> that's a new one it doesn't I, I honestly I forget how old they are because they still behave in a certain way when they were you know in their teens they still behave that way sometimes but yes I do understand what you mean about children so what do your children think about your former life do they watch videos and talk to you about it the 
very funny. They're very, very proud of me. And it really wasn't until after having them and explaining a little bit about what it was that I used to do. And it was nice because in my 40s, I actually started training a bit again. And I did the 800 meters for a season or two. So they got to see me run. They got to see me compete, not obviously at the highest level that I was, but it is through their eyes that I actually realized that I was pretty good, Delilah. It was amazing. (laughs) I had no idea that all of these things that I had accomplished and I can be out and about and someone will, if I'm with them, especially when they were younger and someone would say to me, oh, you look like an athlete. Were you an athlete? And I said, yeah, I used to run. And then my daughter would pipe up and say, mom, tell them you're an Olympic athlete. You're not just a runner. So almost that reverse of, you know, or you're trying to tell your kids, tell them about your volleyball game or tell them about your piano lesson. I was the one that was made to tell everybody about the things that I had done. And so they were very, they are very proud of me. Yes. So what was the highlight of your career as an Olympian? Goodness, the highlight. You know, I think for the Olympic Games in particular, besides really, I guess, accomplishing something that you really had visualized, thought about, had written down on paper as a goal. And I can't tell you enough that when you have an athlete actually write down their goals, they are made to look at them and see them in in writing that to actually accomplish something like that. One, of course, because a lot of people, I mean, I would have loved to have made a couple of two or three teams. It wasn't my luck to have that happen, but then you, you really have to understand the, and a lot of them great athletes that for some reason, the Olympic games eluded them. So I have to be proud that I set a lofty goal like that. And through many trials and tribulations, I was able to accomplish that goal. But I think really the game itself was to have it feel like just another meet and not to say that it was not special, but I really very much felt the first national team that I made, I was kind of took my breath away. I was just looking around. Uh, it was in Tokyo, Japan, and I was in awe of just the crowd and the way in which the meet was being run. And I wasn't comfortable. So... I think it was great that when I got to the games, at least it was, you know, I felt like I belonged. Oh, that's lovely. You know, I always wonder when I see athletes, I see sprinters uh, in particular at the starting block. And I think, how do they block out what's all around them? The people, the crowds, everything. Mm -hmm. How do you block that out? You kind of take it in. And it's very funny because people think that you have to pump yourself up in those situations. You don't. The atmosphere does that for you. What you are trying to do is to bring out the best that you can do on that particular day in that environment, on that stage. And that's what you train for. Your body is, your mind is ready for that opportunity to be around the best in the world and to compete against the best in the world. So that is going to say not an easy proposition, but it's one that you look forward to hoping that you get a chance to to participate in. I remember being in Stuttgart, Germany. I think we had a crowd of 80,000 people. I mean, you can't imagine what it feels like to put your hands over your head and start clapping and to have nearly the entire crowd of spectators start clapping along with you. It's just uh, an amazing feeling. Wow. Well, Kim, thank you so much for spending time with us today and all the best with your future endeavors. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking with you. 
A big thanks to Kim Carter for giving us her unique insight of the metaphor she chose to discuss. Sports is a metaphor for life. Now let's delve a bit further into the metaphor and see how it is linked to our day-to-day conversations with friends, work colleagues and loved ones. Sports is a metaphor for life, has so many links and connections to our daily chats and conversations. Sometimes we don't know how they originated, but they have become part of the cultural zeitgeist. Game, set and match. This is from the sport of tennis. Once a match has been completed, with one side getting enough sets to win. But in everyday life, this can be used in many connotations. It can be used as an idiomatic, as an expression of finality, beating someone to a goal or finishing a task, for example, doing the washing up, completing a work assignment, game, set and match. Is that feeling of satisfaction? I'm sure we've all felt when we've completed one of the daily dull chores we all have. Let's move on and hear what Simon Oliver Sinek, a British American author and inspirational speaker, described as a visionary thinker with a rare intellect, has to say about what makes someone selected onto the highest performing teams and why this relates to us as humans. The Navy SEALs are one of the highest performing organizations on the planet. And a former Navy SEAL was asked, who makes it through buds? Who makes it through the selection process to become a SEAL? And he said, I can't tell you who gets through, who makes it, but I can tell you the kind of people who don't make it. He said the star college athletes that never have been really tested to the core of their being, none of them make it through. He said the preening leaders who like to delegate everything, none of them make it through. He said the big tough guys that come in with huge muscles covered in tattoos who want to prove to everyone how tough they are, none of them make it through. He said some of the guys that make it through are skinny and scrawny. He said, some of the guys who make it through, you will see them shivering out of fear. He said, but every single one of them who makes it through, when they're emotionally exhausted, when they're physically exhausted, some way, somehow, they're able to dig down deep inside themselves to find the energy to help the person next to them. Service. Service. Giving to another, having their back, is what makes the highest performing teams in the world. Not their strength and not their intelligence. It's their willingness to be there for each other. Joshua Chetwind, an American journalist, sports agent, and former baseball player, has spent years researching some of the meanings behind sports metaphors for his 2016 published novel, The Field Guide to Sports Metaphors. Here he lists some of his most fascinating ones when he was investigating this area. Yeah, the ones that surprise you that they started in sports are the ones that are always the most interesting for me. So a word like fluke Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like it has a sports background, but came from billiards. And it was an old English word that meant guess. And in early days of billiards, the balls were made of ivory, and the balls would often get warped. And as a result, they would roll really in ways that you wouldn't expect. And so they needed to come up with a word to express that, and that's why fluke became part of the English language. Fluke is in there. Now, you had an interesting uh, part of your career as a baseball player, playing collegiately and and then professionally. But you worked as a broadcaster trying to explain American baseball to audiences overseas working for the BBC 
I imagine that helps you as well, understanding phrases and what you can and can't say that people get. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that surprised me. I did work for the BBC, so for a British audience. And when I was looking at some of these phrases, I saw David Cameron, who's the Prime Minister for Great Britain, mm -hmm. using step up to the plate. And as someone who lived in England and talked about baseball, trust me, people don't talk about baseball on the street all that right. often. And when you see the Prime Minister easily using an American baseball idiot, you know that these things are worldwide. Very interesting to hear how some of these metaphors from across the pond used in American sports have become common language and sayings in Great Britain. Let's briefly look over the sports metaphors that we commonly use in business and the origin of them. The balls in their court. According to Elizabeth McLaren Kirkpatrick, author of Phrases Explored and Explained, this first came into public vocabulary in the middle of the 20th century, first being used to explain that other people are waiting on your action. American comedian Dimitri Evan Martin's metaphor for swimming is very apt on this subject. Swimming is a confusing sport because sometimes you do it for fun and other times you do it to not die. And when I'm swimming, sometimes I'm not sure which one it is. How about a little sporty laughter? Here's Trevor Noah. Economy, you never know, right? You never know. What about stocks? Well, I guess uh, stocks, they're up and down. <laughs> I don't really know. They're up and down. They could go anywhere. It's, um, those are stocks. We don't know. But the sports, you know? You need to flip that around. You need to get the statistics in the, in the economy. Just relax in your sports. Have fun. That's the sports I watch is relax, like soccer. I'm a huge fan of soccer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's some fans here. I love soccer. It's chilled. You hear it in the commentators when a game is being played. There's no statistics at all. Game starts off, and the whistle blows. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this majestic match. It's Spain playing against Germany. Oh, and what a wonderful day it is. <laughs> Look at the crowd, really excited. Oh, and the atmosphere is amazing. Wonderful weather. And the guys are just like, oh, yeah, John, you can feel it. The players look great. It's wonderful. What do you think is going to happen today, Martin? Oh, nobody knows. <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I saw a game this good. Americans will remember. Americans will go back to the finest statistic. The last time a black man scored using his left hand, jumping over a mixed race, half Indian, was in 1967 when the, OK, like, what? This is madness. We can also look at it in another way. Remember Live Aid, the music-based benefit concert held in uh, July, I think it was the 13th of July, 1985. It was organized by Bob Geldof and Midge Err to raise further funds for relief of the 1983 to 1985 famine in Ethiopia, a movement that started with the release of the successful charity song, Do They Know It's Christmas, in December 1984. Everyone who was involved in making the benefits happen could be described as being a good sport. And as they participated in that way, to help others means that they were improving the quality of life for them. I think we sometimes have to be reminded not to take our quality of life for granted and to think of others less fortunate than us. So here's Feed the World.
This week's metaphor, sports, is a metaphor for life. Shows how we as human beings can transpose our feeling for community and team spirit for winning into everyday talk and chatter with our friends and loved ones. They can be shorthand to easily express our feelings, wants and needs in a quick and relatable manner. the wonderful Kim Carter for reminding us how important sports is to our well-being and thank you for listening. Make sure to join us again for more idioms, proverbs and metaphors on Colourful or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which can be found on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. Reviews are incredibly important to us. So if you have a moment, we would love it if you could leave us one on Colourful or any of the platforms I mentioned before. We love making this show and we love growing with your feedback it's the only way we can grow so do leave us a comment or share this episode with your friends you can also email us at info at metaphorically speaking.uk in case you have a metaphor you'd like us to research